Verse 22. How many of y'all got your Bibles today? All right. Got your iPad or iPhone or some type of media device. If not, we have a big Bible behind me. We're going to show it to you. Encourage you to bring your Bibles. Bring a pen, bring a pad. I always was told that leaders are readers, and uh, you can't read my, my sermon if you don't write it down. So you got to write it down so you can read it, and you got to read it so you can lead it. So if you don't have a, uh, any uh, paper or anything, you can just write on your spouse or your neighbor and uh, write on your forehead backward, and in the morning you'll remember when you see it in the mirror as you're brushing your teeth. I've actually had a student do that before, so there you go. Uh, Matthew chapter 14, and then keep your finger there, and then we're going to move over to Hebrews chapter, chapter 12. Y'all with me this morning? And Pastor is on week one of his sabbatical. Uh, and if you'd like more information about his sabbatical, we do have a letter that we sent out to our church. You can pick that up on the way out. You can also talk to some of our volunteers. Also, you can go online at orlandocitychurch.com, click on the media link, and you can click on the, the sabbatical podcast where you're going to hear from our advisory team, which is the team that leads Pastor Eugene uh, in decisions here, They're our eldership team. Uh, you, you can hear them as, as last service if you missed last service. They talked about about the sabbatical. He's doing good. And uh, he texted me early this morning. He said, hey, Glenn, praying for you. You know, preach your tail off this morning. So I said, yes, sir. I'm going to do my best. And so we're excited. Also, there's just so many exciting things that have been happening this week. One that I want to make an announcement as you're turning to Matthew 14 is Brandon and Ashley, our middle school directors. Uh, He is Brandon Gilbert. She was Ashley Kipp and about 14 hours ago or something. Now they are Brandon and Ashley Gilbert. And so we're proud of them. And uh, they are just an incredible couple, and they lead our middle school group on second and third service. We have over 60 middle schoolers that they're pouring into and mentoring. Aren't you thankful for volunteers that care about our little ones? Isn't that amazing? Come on. Amen. Matthew chapter 14, are you there? Come on, let's stand to our feet. Got to get a little bit more in the uh, monitor in general. Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. I just would like to say right off, I got a word for you today. All right, I got a word for you, okay? It's going to start right here in Matthew chapter 14 with the story of Peter walking on water. We're going to take this simple passage, and and I believe God's going to speak to us today. Verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. And shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. Everybody say, hey. <laughs> when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they did what we would do. They were terrified. They said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, he said, take courage. It is, it is I. Don't be afraid. Then Peter, you know, if you know a little bit about Peter's character, this is totally in line with who Peter is. He says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come out there with you. And Jesus replied in verse 29, he said, come. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. And then if you have a Bible, you can underline this if you would like to. If you have an iPhone, I don't suggest underlining it. It won't work very well with your pen. So verse verse 30, but when he saw the wind... He was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. He said, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? We're going to get into that a little bit. And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, 
you are the Son of God. Now flip over to Hebrews chapter 12 if you're there. If not, we're going to show it on the screen. The Bible says this, Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Come on. You know, there's too many Christians that stop running. Come on, I'll say that again. There's too many Christians that stop running. You know, when we come to the cross, it's like it's like opening gate with God. Come on, God's got a great plan for you. There's a race to run. There's endurance that we got to build up. And then he says this. He says, that is set before us, looking unto Jesus. Not just the beginner, not just the author, but also the finisher of our faith. I've entitled this message, Never Lose Sight of Jesus. Never lose sight of Jesus. Would you look to your neighbor and just say, never lose sight of Jesus. And tell him again, just say, I'll smack you if you know it. <laughs> Come on, let's pray. Father, we love you. God, thank you for your word. Thank you that it's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. I thank you that you have brought every person here that might be in this room or listening on podcasts to hear this message today. So Lord, I'm asking you to anoint me. God, take these these what you've deposited in my heart and help me to, to, to convey it exactly how you want to convey it. Open up our hearts today. Let us not just hear your word, but let it change us in everything we do. If you agree with me, would you say amen? Amen. You can be seated. Thanks, Pastor Tom. How many of you are married? Are married. You are, you are married. Natalie and I have been married for, uh, almost five years now. Natalie, would you stand up really quickly? I'd just like to show you off. This is my beautiful esposa. Mi amor. And uh, this is, you know, it's a picture from our wedding. We, uh, about four and a half years ago, we got married, and uh, she is amazing. Uh, she is beautiful. Uh, she is talented. She loves God. She loves people. She, a lot of people don't even know this, but she's actually Dr. Wolf. She has a doctorate in pharmacy. Uh, and so she, she's gone to school, and, and, uh, and, and she's edged. She's smart. She just is awesome. She can sing. Not a lot of people even know that. She can sing. She can cook like nobody's business. Arroz con pollo. Oh, you don't even know about that. The gringo scored. Come on, somebody. And uh, she is amazing. And she's not only all that stuff, but she's also 19 weeks pregnant. Uh, with, and I'm the, I'm the dad, baby. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, we're just excited. Not only that, but we found out last week that we're having a baby boy. So... Uh, Got a little baby boy thing. So we, uh, our boy has three decisions. Either he's going to be a preacher, a uh, professional basketball player, so he can pay for my re- our retirement, or a professional golfer. Those are the three that he is. So just, you know, if he's listening to me right now uh, in her womb, that's, that's the choice. And uh, I don't know if, you've, if you're married. I don't know if you ever had any uh, young, younger people that maybe are single ever ask you questions about marriage. And I had somebody not too long ago say, hey, so what's the greatest part? Some of you are married, you're like, oh, brother, what are we going to talk about? Uh, you know, what's the greatest part of marriage? And, you know, is it, is it like, you know, you know, date night? Or is it, you know, the fact that you guys kind of have probably like this connection that nobody else kind of gets? Is it, is it the fact that, you know, you're not really alone that much? Is it the fact that, you know, you can, you know, and, uh, in, in, you know, and God's like, yeah, that's good. Uh, like, you know, what, what is it? What is, what is the greatest part? What's the greatest part? of marriage. And my answer is really simple. The greatest part of my marriage is Natalie. And I'm not, I know I'm saying, I know, but I'm dead serious. Like I'm serious. Like it's not, the dates are awesome. 
Come on. And if you're married, you better start shouting to me right now. <laughs> but the dates are awesome. And, 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 and all of it, all of it is awesome. But the greatest part is my wife. In fact, my marriage stinks without Natalie. <laughs> it's the truth. And if anybody ever comes up to us as believers and asks us, what's the greatest part of Christianity? What's the greatest part of being a Christian? It's Jesus. It's Jesus, man. There's nothing greater. He's the great I am. It's not a church service. We love church services. Let's have church services. I want to run around this room today. I'm ready. Let's get the band back up here. Let's get crazy in His presence. I love it all. But beside all that, that is secondary to Jesus. He's the author. He's the finisher. Come on. And Listen, like, it's all about Him. He's the Alpha. He's the Omega. He is God in characteristic personality form. When we read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, when we read the Gospels, we are reading the story of Jesus, our King. Do you know the Bible says He is the face of God? He is the glory of God. And can I just give a side note? The Word says that we are to go from glory to glory to glory. Amen? Can I tell you where that glory comes from? Jesus! Can I tell you in heaven, I don't know if you know this or not, but Jesus it literally is the sun in heaven. There is no sun. He is our light. He is everything to us. And He is the greatest part of Christianity. And I, I'm here to tell you, um, you know, Jesus, so let, let's, just, let's just take this back for a second. So this Jesus, He walks up to Peter's boat. Think about this just for Thank God that He comes to us. He comes to Peter in His boat, standing away. He comes into Peter's circumstances. He comes into Peter's expertise. Listen, you know how many times Peter's been out on that boat? That's, that boat represents his failures and his victories. There were times when Peter would come home at night with no fish. In the lowest of low. There were other times when he would come in like, I'm the man. <laughs> hey, you know, what's up boys? We're eating on me today. <laughs> and Jesus comes to him in his comfort zone where he is. And listen to what, what Jesus says. He calls Peter out of the boat. Now here's my question. What is he calling Peter to? Is he calling Peter to walk on water? Is he, is he calling Peter to perform a miracle? Is he, is he calling Peter to, to, to be the initiator so that all the rest of the boys see what it is to follow him and his leadership? What is Jesus calling him to? Can I, can I go ahead and make it to our modern day vernacular? Uh, is, 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 is Jesus calling us to lead a small group? Is he calling us to work in the kids' ministry? Is he calling us to go to third world countries and, and help? Is he calling us to feed the poor? Is he, is he, what, what is Jesus calling Peter to. Can I tell you what, he, what he's calling him to? Himself. And sometimes I think we, we have this idea that, you know, that we need to make miracles and then Jesus is going to come. But Jesus is always before the miracles. The miracles are a byproduct of Jesus. And I'm here to tell you, if you're writing down any notes, our number one calling in life is to Jesus. It's the number one. Every person in this room, this is your number one 
calling. Listen, it's before your family. I know that sounds strong. The greatest thing you can do, dad, the greatest thing you can do, husband, the greatest thing you can do, mom, wife, the greatest thing you can do is never lose sight of Jesus. The greatest thing I can do for my little one right now is to never lose sight of Jesus. I talk to people and they say, they, I go, hey man, are you, you know, how is your relationship with God? Well, it's just a little bit stale. I've just been running out of time. I just, I just don't quite have enough time to spend with God. Can I tell you, you don't have time not to spend with God. It's not, it's not a non-negotiable. There's no other part of Christianity. For some reason, Christians have this idea. It's like we get saved, we come to the cross of Jesus, and it's like we want to go somewhere else. There's nowhere else to go. He's it. He's the source. It's, it's all about Him. You want to have a great marriage. You want to have a great, a great kids. You want to raise godly kids. You want to do all these things above your own expectations. It's found in and only through Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen if you're with me this morning. But I didn't, I didn't entitle this message, Fix Your Eyes on Jesus. I entitled the message, Never Lose Sight of Jesus. Because that wasn't Peter's problem, was it? His, his problem wasn't putting his eyes on Jesus. His problem was keeping his eyes on Jesus. And isn't that the fight of every believer? Is to keep our eyes on Jesus. Look, look at what the Bible says in verse 31. Jesus says, you have little faith. And then he gives a question that I want to answer. He said, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? Well, the answer is actually in, in verse 30, the verse before that. Because the Bible says, when he saw the wind, for just a second, just... How do you see the wind? Just for the record. I, I just think that's funny to me. The Bible says, He saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. In order for Peter to see the wind means he had to take his sight off of Jesus. In order for this word to say that he saw the wind means that he did not see Jesus. And I'm here to tell you the enemy is real, and he wants to get you with your sight somewhere else. He will use whatever he can possible. Wind, rain, hail, ministry, church. He will do whatever. He, he, will, he wants you to get you religious. He wants to stop you having a relationship with God. He's going to do whatever he can, believe, you, believe me, to get you off of seeing Jesus. And have you ever um, been around people that uh, have not spent some time with God? Oh, come on, don't get all churchy on me now. You know what I'm talking about. Have you ever been around me when I didn't spend time with God? You don't want to. Like, I'm really skinny right now, but when I don't, know, I'm just joking. I don't get buff. That would be cool, I guess. <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about? Like, once two or three days goes by, and all of a sudden, they're grumpy, agitated, frustrated. I find them, it's, it just kind of gets about them a little bit, don't it? You know what I'm talking about? It happens to you. Don't even nod your neighbor. It's you. You know what I'm talking about? You get grumpy. You get agitated. All of a sudden, you know, you're in your marriage and, oh, she's not doing enough for me or he's not doing enough for me. And all of a sudden you have this word, me. And then, you know, you know what I'm talking about? And then, and then all of a sudden you start spending some time with God and it's like people kind of want to be around you again, you know? All of a sudden you're giving. You're generous. You're not having to fake it. You know, you're genuinely happy even when trials come. You're living victoriously. Because you know that you have faith in God and He's going to work out all things good for those who love Him. And so we stay faithful to that and He gets glory even in the midst of our trials. You know what I'm talking about. We, just, we, we, we can never lose sight of Jesus. You know your relationship with Christ is difficult when you don't relate with Christ. 
My relationship with my wife is a little bit difficult if I don't hang out with her, isn't it? Makes it a little bit difficult. Imagine if I just kind of was, she came home at night, she worked a long day, I worked a long day, and all of a sudden she's like, hey, how you doing? I'm like, hey, um, actually, I wrote in an email, just check it later, I'll see you. She pulls out her little laptop. Oh, you did this. No, what is that? That's not, that's not a relationship. Come on, it's relational, and that's exactly how we are. We should be with Christ. And this is the moment where we've got to get this right, because I think it's so easy at this moment for us to go, okay, all right, I don't want to be a grump. I don't want to be agitated. I don't want to be that guy or that girl. So you know what? I'm going to fix my eyes on Jesus so that I'm a nicer person. And can I tell you, that's the wrong mindset. Because let me, let me, let me, let me just, just get this. We've got to get this right. It, 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 we're almost saying this. If I want to win at life, then, then I need to get God in my life so that I can win at life. But I'm here to tell you that spending time with Jesus is the win in life. There's nothing greater. You don't add Him so that you can then win in life. He is the win in life. You stay in Him and with Him and working with Him, hand in hand, yoke. We are yoked together with Christ. That is what we are called to do, to never lose sight of Jesus. And you know what I'm talking about. We'll get into that mode where it's like, I have to, Christianity. Like, I have to go to church today. I have to tithe. I have to give offerings because I made a pledge that I would support that thing. I have to be an example at my workplace. I have to, you know, be holy and set apart. I have to, I have to, I have to. We don't have to do anything. We get to read our Bible. We get to spend time with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You know, we are just so saturated with stuff and consumerism, but you go over to a third world country and you talk about the name of Jesus and the fact that they can find salvation and they don't need anything else. And we've got to get there as well. We can't let the the stuff of this world dictate and and, and deter us from God. We get to read our word. And I have kind of two thoughts that I wanted to bring to your attention as I was just kind of meditating on this this week. Number one is this. Don't let the rules keep you from the ruler. I felt like one thing that happens so often with Christians, I'm not talking about people that have never come to Christ. I'm talking about people that have, that have just like Peter, put their eyes on Jesus, but have found themselves compromising. I think so many times we let the rules come before the ruler. And, 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 and I see this in people where it's like we're so focused on not sinning that we just need to realize that it's just about focusing on Him. Just as the song we just sang, that everything, all the worldly passions, dimly fade. As we focus on it, honestly, I can't even say it better than Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. The author of Hebrews says it so well. He says, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. Let's get rid of sin. we got a race to run. And this sin is going to hold us back from the race that God's called it to. Absolutely. But if we don't watch it, we're going to focus on verse 1. But he gives a solution in verse 2. Look at what he says. Looking unto Jesus. Too many Christians are too focused on verse 1. I got to run the race. I got to I got to get it all right. I got up. I got to read my Bible. I got to pray. I got to do this. I got to do this. There's a race to run. Honey, get in the car. Where are our kids? We don't have time, you know, I don't know. And that's not the Christian walk. 
It's just looking unto Jesus. I think sometimes we can get that way. It's like we let the rules come in front of the ruler. It's like, fight, fight, fight! Win, win, win! We ain't got time for nothing else! I don't have time to listen to a message or spend time in the Word. I'm fighting, I'm fighting, I'm fighting. And that is not the way we are supposed to, we are supposed to live with Christ. We operate best when we're surrendering the most, not working the most. I'm not talking about, now we got to get to work. I'm not, I'm not letting all the lazy people off today. That's not what I'm saying. You don't know what I'm talking about. we got to keep our eyes on Jesus. Don't let the rules keep you from the ruler. Second thing is this. I felt like this is for somebody. Don't let the kingdom keep you from the king. And I think, you know, in Peter's day, it was wind, it was rain. But I think in our day, I think the enemy has gotten maybe smarter. And now now he uses the good things to keep us from the great thing in Jesus. And if we don't watch it, we fall in love with the miracle. We fall in love with the benefits of knowing Jesus instead of the blessing of being in relationship with Jesus. Don't don't ever let the kingdom... You can say amen to that. It's all right. Come on. I'm, I'm, I'm all about it. Don't ever let the kingdom keep you from the king. And don't ever let a little bit of success in your Christian walk keep you from the success in your Christian walk. Come on, man. We can't lose sight of him. Let's lose sight of something else. Let's let, we can't lose sight of Jesus. This last week, we had, we, like he said, we had over 30 students respond to the altar and give their lives to Jesus Christ. It's amazing. But can I tell you, it's not as amazing as Jesus. As amazing as that is, it's not as good as him. My wife, we're almost been married for five years. That's, that's, that is incredible. We have a child. We are, I mean, I've been praying for seven months for a baby, baby boy, and it's exactly what I prayed for. And um, that is amazing. It's not as amazing, though, as Jesus. Are you hearing me today? There's nothing greater. Listen, build your 401k. Do it. Raise great kids. Let's build a great church. Let's worship our butts off. Let's have great ministry. Let's see our city saved. But we're not going to do it outside of keeping our eyes on Him. And it's like we want Him to start. We want Him to be the author of our faith. But sometimes we have a tough time making it to the finish line. Isn't that kind of what Paul was saying when he wrote to Timothy? And he said, hey, son, I fought the good fight of faith. I finished the what? Come on. We got to finish the race. We got to finish strong. And the race should get sweeter with time. Don't ever lose sight of Jesus. Peter failed to recognize that the same Jesus that called him out of the boat is the same Jesus that's going to keep him up on the water through life. And what Peter failed to recognize is what we can get right because we have his word now. And we know that as as we make a step, maybe maybe today you've never made a decision to follow Christ and you're going to make one today. You're, You're taking a step. Can I tell you, can I just give you six months, a year down the road? Can I tell you, keep taking steps. Don't let the wind, don't let the rain. Listen, you're going to be asked to be in kids ministry. You're going to fall in love with kids. You might want to lead a small group. You might want to get a part of the class. That's awesome. And the class is to help us with, with keeping our eyes on Jesus. But we can never lose sight of that. You get weird, you get funky, and people don't want to hang out with you when you don't spend time with Jesus. But we are not designed to do this thing without him. It's the glory of the king. Amen. Come on, are you with me this morning? I want to conclude with... Uh, with a story 
uh, of a husband and a wife. Husband comes to church because he was invited by a friend. Nervous about what to expect. The church was friendly and it made him feel comfortable. So he was excited. He felt the presence of God for the very first time. Husband tells wife about it and they decide to come together the following Sunday. Both make a decision to follow Christ and surrender their lives to him. Things are going great. They took their next step and were baptized the following Sunday. They were members within the month. He stopped drinking. She stopped watching early afternoon shows about family abuse and affairs. Instead, they replaced that time with prayer, with reading the word. They had an inner desire for purity and integrity that God put inside of them. They began to tithe. They gave to missions and people in need. They were developing a hungry desire for Jesus. Wife was amazed at how her husband was now a man of integrity and principle. She never really expected that from him. Husband was amazed at how encouraging and respectful and honoring she was. He never expected that from her. They began to get into a routine of pursuing Jesus. But then daughter gets sick and it throws off their routine. They feel they don't have time to pray or read their word. Before, husband was able to pray through his struggles and turn them over to God. But now is finding himself agitated by work and trying to fix life on his own. He never got connected in a group with other Christians at the church. And in his time of need, when he needed somebody the most, all he had was his old buddies he used to drink with. He met them at the bar and with every good intention of not drinking. But after a while, one beer wouldn't make that much of a difference, right? They were planning on attending that following Sunday, but when Sunday morning hit, they decided to sleep in. Wife now is sitting there unsure on which man he is. Afraid to ask him the question because she is not sure if she is ready for the response. Is he still the man of godly principle? Or is he now a man of compromise? One day, husband thought to himself, I've already compromised on God. Why not compromise on her? A flirt turned into a stare. A stare turned into a kiss. A kiss turned into wife's nightmare. She accidentally saw a text message she wasn't supposed to see. And he ended up having a divorce he never intended to have. And now daughter has no father. Husband has no wife. And wife has no husband. Why? Just never. They just lost sight of him. It was just a little bit of compromise here, a little bit of compromise here, a little bit of compromise here. Guys, we can't. We can't compromise. It's not, it's not a negotiable. We cannot compromise on Jesus. You cannot compromise on coming to church. You can't compromise on spending time in your word. You can't compromise on, on being integral. You're saved. If you've made a decision to follow Christ, we are never looking back again. We are keeping our eyes on him. Listen, it wasn't God that went away in that story. It was just a lack of focus. And the enemy is up in the chalkboard going, yes. But I love what this story ends with, where Peter starts to fall. And Jesus comes, picks him back up. Says, hey man, I got you. When you're weak, you come to me. You cry out to me, just as Peter did. He's going to restore you. And I'm thankful that God's not just our Savior. He's our Redeemer. He doesn't just save you and cover you. He does do that. He redeems you. He redeems your time. He redeems the things you've done wrong. He redeems you. Are you with me this morning? Never lose sight of Jesus. Would you stand to your feet and let's pray together. 
Worship team, you can come up to the stage. And I want to give you the last five minutes today just to spend some time with God. And we're going to sing this song, and then we're going to get into that other part of uh, We Want You More and More. I love that song, man. It's just incredible. But before we do that, would you bow your heads and close your eyes all across this place? This is for you personally, not, not, not your spouse, not you guys together, but for you. Really simple question. Have you lost sight of Jesus? Have you let the rules get in the way of the ruler? Have you let the kingdom keep you from the king? Have you let good things stop you from the great thing in Jesus? And if you're ready, every head bowed, every eye closed, you say, you know what, I'm ready to, I want a deeper, passionate relationship with Jesus, and I want to fix my eyes on him. With nobody looking around, would you lift your hand towards heaven if you're here? Come on, lift it up. Lift it up, that's you. Say, I want to fix my eyes on Jesus. Fix my eyes on Jesus. You're saying today, man, God, I, I don't just want you to start my faith. I want you to finish my faith strong. We love you, God. You can put your hand right back down. You're in this place, and really simply, you've never, you've never started a relationship with Jesus. You've never made a decision to follow Christ. I want to give you that opportunity. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You're in this room. You say, you know what? I want to make a decision to follow Christ all the days of my life. If that's you, I'm going to count to three, and I want you to lift your hand. One two, this is your moment, three, lift that hand if that's you, I see that hand, I see that hand, I see that hand, nobody looking around, I see that hand, it's amazing, that's good, come on, would you repeat after me if you have your hand lifted, and can everybody repeat after me together, say this, say, Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for me, forgive me of my sin, teach me your ways, and I will follow you all the days of my life in Jesus mighty name amen can you give them a hand this morning that made that decision come on and if you would let us know there's a connection card right in front of your seat pocket if you made that decision today would you let us know by right on the top right it says I just received Christ check that off and hand that to one of our ushers we would love to put some information and you, you can do that anytime right after this service I want to give everybody the next three to four minutes in this room and can we just sing this song together and let's